Just Interesting People podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've got a super special episode with Demis. I cannot wait to ask him all the questions about his photography and just learn all about his story. Um, Jeremy's going to introduce him properly as usual, but thank you so much for being here and we really hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in again and thank you very much, Demas, for being with us today. I'm super excited about recording this episode with you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, it's excited to be here. Um, some people might know you because you have quite a good audience uh, on the different platform Instagram, YouTube, TikTok Uh, you're mainly known for your photography and videography and design uh, skills Uh, you are a Photoshop master (laughs) killer (laughs) everything you create with Photoshop is just insane Um, you're based in Sydney, Australia yeah uh and yeah you have i mean a pretty big instagram account uh, a podcast a youtube channel so you're a big creator you spend a lot of time creating content yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but before that you were an architect and you and you actually uh I, i've seen a video you actually left your job last year uh, which yeah, is pretty correct. interesting um so maybe before we dive into the the story of how you get where you are now uh, do you want to quickly tell us like where you're from and and yeah a little background about you sure so i'm originally from jakarta indonesia and i moved to sydney australia when i was seven years old so been living in sydney for like 23 years now um i started photography in 2012 so nine years ago now um and it came like hand in hand with starting an instagram account um my my cousin. So this is how it all started. I was in second year of university. I was doing architecture at UNSW, University of New South Wales here in Sydney. Um, and so my cousin, who's a photographer from Indonesia, um, he had a client also from Indonesia who wanted to do a photo shoot in Sydney. He's like a pre-wedding wedding photographer. And so he um, asked the client to, to come over to Sydney. He didn't know anyone else in Sydney. So he um, asked me, I was the only person he knew, um, to like help him assist so like hold the lenses change the flash and I was like yeah I'll come and um, we went to like the snowy mountains which is like this really beautiful landscape place and um, I was just driving and you know helping change lenses and, and holding flashes and stuff I knew nothing about photography so I I'd never like you know held a big camera before or knew nothing about like camera settings or anything so I was just there to just have fun and just to like hang out with my cousin I guess um and then I just saw that like he had so much fun and he, the clients were having lots of fun. The photos were coming out really cool. And I was like, um, I had my phone that day and I was just like, let's just start shooting some photos. Or the, the, the scene was really beautiful and epic. So I was like, let's just take some photos here and there with my phone. Um, and then I think that week I started just, I, I just started an Instagram account just for fun. I'm like, oh, let's just share some of these photos that I took on that day. Um, um, and then, yeah, I just started enjoying posting on it. Um, and then a week later, I bought my first, like, DSLR, um, like, a very cheap level, like, Canon DSLR. Um, and then uh, st- kept shooting and shooting, shooting, and posting it, like, more and more often. Um, and, yeah, and then it kind of just grew over time. And I guess because of my, like, architecture background, there was a point in time where I kind of, like, realized that, like, I could use combined photography and like a bit of architecture um and because i learned so much like photoshop in architecture 
Um, and I realized that maybe I could combine it and like um, play around with photography and not just like post like straight up normal photos, but like, you know, how can I make it something different and um, try something that, you know, no one else has really done back then. Um, And yeah, and then that kind of helped me grow and grow a little bit more. Because yeah, that was back just when Instagram was created, right? Because that's well, like 2013, no Instagram, if I remember. Yeah, so I think uh, I think I was slightly. I think I'm not, I'm not sure when Instagram was created, but I was, I started Instagram in 2012, one of the earlier ones. But I felt like I was on a the second wave. You know, there's like yeah, right, there's okay. people who grew to like millions of followers, and yeah. I think I was on like the second, maybe the third wave. Um, and and back then there were like not many brands thinking about you know, marketing on Instagram. It was just like a mm. bunch of fun, like just taking photos. Um, I started to meet people through like Instameets and stuff. Um, there was these things, yeah, there was these things called Instameets around the world everywhere. <laughs> um, and I managed to find a community in Sydney and I'm still really close friends with a lot of a lot of the people I met at these Instameets. Um, and yeah, I think around like 2014, 2015, um, yeah, that's when I kind of started to meet a lot of people. Um, I think a big growing point and what made me realize that my photography was kind of, you know, good or whatnot, um, (laughs) was when, uh, there was a, there was a time Instagram was, was doing thing called, uh, suggested user. Hmm. And so, um, they would follow someone, uh, follow your account for two weeks. And that happened to me so that they would, uh, refresh their following list every two weeks. Um, and so it happened and then I grew from 2000 to 15,000 in two weeks. And that was when like the turning point, I was like, Oh, I think my photography might be okay. <laughs> like, I think I might be doing something right. And then I just kept going and going from there because it was yeah. quite motivating. Um, because, uh, but, but weirdly it was because the people that the new, the new people that were following me, they're quite new to the app. So they didn't really know like how to engage or like, they were just kind of like seeing who to follow. They just follow someone whoever's on this list. Um, and then, so my, my likes went from like, when I was in 2000 was on 200 and then when I was on 15,000 was still on 200. So I was like, this is really strange. Like what's happening? I have like the followers are a lot higher, but the uh, engagement's still the same. So I tried really hard to just like keep working on it, keep working on it and try to grow it organically. There was some, there's some people who I think are in an unlucky position where they fall Instagram followed and they grew to like a hundred thousand and then the engagement's really, really low. And it's like, and it's really hard for them to keep pushing it higher. But yeah, I think maybe I was in a fortunate position to only grow maybe 12,000 rather than like a hundred thousand. But yeah, that was like, I guess it's just a turning point in my brain that like, Oh, maybe being recognized by Instagram means that like I'm good at photography, but I don't know. (laughs) Looking back at it, it's like, I don't know, maybe just a luck thing. I don't know. Yeah. And in terms of editing, did you start off editing your photographs at the beginning or did you just snap a photo and upload it and then learn kind of Photoshop and Lightroom as you went on? Yeah, so um, I used to just take a photo and then use like the Instagram filters and like mm. back then it was it's just like, did. yeah, very quick. And um, and then a friend introduced to like introduced me to like VSEO and then it was just like uh, uh, all phone apps and stuff. Um, and then... There was a point in time, I forgot who, but someone was like, hey, maybe you should try, like, combine your Photoshop. Like, because I was doing so much Photoshop at university. Like, we had to learn it ourselves. Like, it wasn't, like, a course. It was just a thing where if 
you want to do like good projects and like present your work nicely, you have to learn Photoshop because then everyone will be ahead of you if you don't if you don't learn Photoshop. Um, and so, someone I think it was someone in in university at the time because I was like posting photos. He was like, "Hey, maybe you should um, combine your pho- photos with Photoshop and see what happens." Um, but yeah, so for years I was uh, using just Photoshop. I never even used Lightroom. Um, I only started using Lightroom maybe like four years into it. And that was only because my friends were like, Lightroom is so much better for just color grading. Um, and then because you know how sometimes people are like, it's hard for them to change your like routine. I was like already doing okay doing using Photoshop. I didn't even shoot raw for a really, really long time, which is like crazy to think because like all my old photos are all JPEG. And I'm like, what's, what's wrong with you? Um, so... Yeah, so like I didn't shoot RAW for a long time. I didn't use Lightroom for a while. So I was just literally just taking uh, JPEG photos and editing them in Photoshop for the longest time. Um, and then when I realized that I should shoot RAW and shoot uh, and edit in Lightroom, it was like another game changer moment. <laughs> Lightroom is my best friend. Yeah, I it's really good. I love it, yeah. Yeah, and the workflow from like Lightroom to Photoshop is actually really like seamless. Like you just... Uh, right click it and then edit in Photoshop and then it makes a new file when you're done with it in like a new tip file so it's it's quite good the workflow yeah and in terms of shooting in um, manual mode I guess at the beginning like everyone you kind of shoot in automatic how yeah. was that process of learning manual mode because I know that for me it just didn't make sense for like years yeah and then suddenly it clicked and I was like oh now I get it like yeah, I think that that's the same because like I was just shooting in auto a lot and then a friend of mine was like, just try shooting in aperture priority. So that's um, what I still do that a lot now, actually, because sometimes I don't want to mess around with all the settings too much. Yeah. Um, if it's if I'm just like out shooting casually or whatever, I just put it on aperture priority um, and pick the aperture that I want. And then the shutter speed is like an ISO is just picked by the camera. Um I just set a limit to the ISO so it doesn't go too crazy high. Um, and then if the shutter speed's all right, if the shutter speed's like at a, at a good speed, then yeah, I just leave it on aperture. Um, but it did take me a while to learn um, a manual and stuff. And it was only because like I was shooting a lot at night. Um, I Because I was working in architecture and I, I worked in the architecture industry for five years. A lot of the time I could only go shoot at night. Um, and so, yeah, at night you got to use manual because then if you want to do like long exposures and all that kind of stuff, you have to learn it. Um, and, and you got to know how to control your cameras. So yeah, it was like, I was like the first time I tried to shoot long exposures, like I didn't know what I was doing. So I just had to like (laughs) try and experiment and just play around. And after a while you, you start to understand. Yeah. So you went to university learning about architecture to become an architect and a designer. Yeah. Uh, And you've done that for five years, you said, right? So I I went to university for five years and then I worked for five years. So I was kind of like around the architecture world for about 10 years. Um, I did my three years uh, Bachelor of Architecture at UNSW and then I went straight into Master of Architecture as well. Um, And yeah, and then I worked for a little bit at a firm in Sydney called FJMT. Uh, it's quite a big firm in Sydney, and I was very lucky to be able to work there, and I enjoyed it. Um, and for the first maybe three years, I was there full time. Um, and on the side, I was still doing a lot of photography and like um, lots of jobs here and there. Uh, but then 
I think in my fourth year working there, I started to get a lot more like travel opportunities um, for from photography. So like there was a time I remember uh, Adobe invited me to San Francisco to go to like some conference or something. And I wasn't able to go because I didn't have enough leave. Like I wasn't like, uh, I was like, oh, what do I do? I was like, no, he's like, this is such a good... Now I was like, this is such a good opportunity. If I don't take the leave, I mean, if I don't go, like I'm gonna regret it. So I asked my office like what what I should do, um, and then we came to an agreement to just like uh, make me become a part time staff, and so I was uh, only like working three four days a week, um, and then I was able to go. So the company was really cool because. They allowed me to, um, if I wasn't going anywhere, I can work full time. And then the hours that I was working could be used later on for when I got like a travel opportunity. So I could like bank up a lot of leave. So at one stage I had like two months of leave because I was like just working a lot. And then I could like travel a bit. And then I work a lot, travel a bit. So that was really, really good. Um, And then the turning point where it made me quit was the pandemic actually. um, because, Because I was a part time staff. They asked me to take leave, and they were they weren't able to like they t- they asked all the part time staff people to to take leave, um, so it ended up being two months of leave, and one month was paid, one month was unpaid, um, and yeah, I, in that time I just decided to see if I could do photography full time, and if like my income levels would drop, or if you know the cl- you know because everything's so digital these days, it didn't really drop. Like all the clients was it was still happening. It was only like the right. travel stuff that wasn't happening. Um, so then I just decided to, to quit. I came back for one day in the office. I just sat there and I'm like, mm, this is not for me anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how did you go from just taking photograph for fun mm. to having your first clients and eventually having Adobe reaching out? I mean, you, you know, like. Adobe, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's crazy because um, I I was always just doing photography for fun. Like I never thought about money. I never thought about you know jobs, clients, nothing. Like it was just like because mm. I already had a job. Like I already had a, like I was already working in architecture, so I didn't really think about money on the side or anything. Um, until one day, uh, I just I just got an email. I don't know how they found my email actually. Um, it, it was like do you want to shoot a pair of shoes for Adidas? It was like, the, it was like weird. I was like, how is this possible? <laughs> um, I was on, I think 20 K at the time on Instagram. Um, and then they're like, Oh, we've got these new NMD shoes. Um, can you post three photos if we send you a pair? And I'm like, Oh, this sounds cool. Like I've never done this before. I've never shot product before. Um, and yeah, I just took it on board. I was like, let's just try it out. Um, I never thought about money either. Um, uh, and then, yeah, I did that, posted three photos. It did quite well. Uh, the clients were happy, and then they uh, came back again for another pair of shoes. Um, and then I, I just started talking to lots of friends. They're like, oh, you should charge money for it um, because it's the t- you, you put a lot of time and effort into these photos, and, like, the shoes and stuff co- don't really cost the brand anything. They can just send you... And even if they don't want to, uh, like, give you the pair, you can easily send the shoe back or something, right? As long as you get paid for it because it's your time and your effort um and then after i think i you know you learn like how much should i charge and like all this kind of stuff you know you start off really low i said oh let's just you know 
I'll do it for $50 a purse or something, like very low. Um, and then after a while, you realize that you should charge more and more and more. I remember there was a thing I did for Samsung, like one of the very, very, very first things I did for Samsung was um, through an agency. Uh, now I work with Samsung directly, which is really good. Um, but back then it was through an agency and they offered me $40 a post um, to post four photos of a Samsung tablet. And so I paid, I got paid $160 to post four photos which is thinking about now, it's like very, very low. Yeah. Um, and then, but I mean, I was excited to be paid for something, right? I'm like, this is really cool. Um, but then, yeah, you just learn to realize over time that like you can, um, depending on how many, you know, engaged followers you have and depending on um, how many people are commenting on it and, and how creative the work is, you can charge a lot more for, for photography. It's basically like, you know, asking a photographer to shoot something for you. Um, but now you have the added bonus of posting it on social media, um, getting it to more eyes to see. Um, but yeah, that was crazy. And I, I never, because I was also working in architecture, I never really reached out to brands or anything. And it was just crazy to, like, I started putting my email in my Instagram bio. And like, yeah. after I did that, then lots of people started to reach out because they saw my Adidas work. Then Nike reached out, then uh, New Balance, then Puma. It was just like nonstop. I was like, why am I getting all these shoes stuff? <laughs> but it's always like um, one thing always leads to another. So like one Adidas job always leads to like other things here and there. So um, then when it's, when I started doing like travel stuff, then lots of travel stuff happened. So like you just have to do one thing first or even if you never... G- if a brand from that kind of industry never reaches out, but you really, really want to do it, like you should use your use it as a passion project. So if you really want to shoot clothes, for example, um, shoot clothes. And then if it work is really good and people somehow see it, then clothes brand will start to want to reach out. You know, like you have to, you know, do make your own passion project. You have to be able to show the clients that you're able to do it. I think Adidas reached out because... I was on a like a trip with my wife to Japan just before it, like a few months before it, and I started shooting the shoes I was wearing, um, just mm. just for fun. Um, and I think they might have seen that on my Instagram, and then yeah, and then that's how they reached out with with um, the first shoe campaign thing that I did. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always an interesting dynamic when I remember Rosie had the same problem about charging people to do mm. something that you would do for free anyway yeah because you just like it you just love it exactly uh, exactly so like daring to ask for money and to actually write amount and not just 50 bucks yeah uh, i feel like every creative like, person I str- that's like a, something that we struggle most of the time yeah definitely um because at the time i just wanted to shoot for fun right i just like i never yeah. really thought about money but now, like, and especially because yeah. it's a big brand, it's like you feel so proud of like exactly. I'm working with Nike or Adidas. Like, so cool! Like, exactly. I do it for free every damn day. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, you realize, right? Like, after a while, you can't work for free anymore. Like, as in, yeah. uh, I guess they could potentially ask someone else who might work for free. Um, but at the same time, like, it depends. Like, if they if they're reaching out, that means they 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 want you to shoot it. So like, yeah, like in a more. sense, you kind of have a little bit more power in a way, like more uh, bargaining power. More leverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're Is reaching that... out to them, then it's harder for you to raise your prices because then they're like, oh, but you're reached out to us, kind of thing. But yeah, 
It's so interesting to, as well to see how the industry is growing because I think a couple of years ago, the influencer thing kind of wasn't, I mean, for some people maybe, but it's growing more and more. And I yeah. think, you know, like huge businesses are putting more and more of their marketing money into Instagram ads and influencers and everything else. It's interesting to see kind of where it was, you know, two years ago, five years ago, even 10 years ago yeah. to where it is now. And it's going to be amazing to see how it's going to be in the next 10 years as well. Like I think a lot more money is going to go into Instagram rather than TV ads and cinema ads and yeah, wherever else it goes, billboards and things. I think so. I mean, there's so much money already in like YouTube ad reads and like, um, tiktok ads now already like as in and i mean instagram as well obviously but it's just yeah i feel like it's gonna grow i'm not sure though like instagram as an app i'm not sure like where does it go next because it feels like it's already trying to it's instagram is, seems like it's trying to like copy a lot of the other apps and it's kind of becoming like a frankenstein of like <laughs> crazy apps like yeah. it's got a shop in there it's got sort of now reels which is like copying tiktok right instagram stories is basically what snapchat was um and it's just like it gets a bit confusing now i'm not sure how they're able to you know keep going from this after after all this um but i mean it seems like after reels it seems like it's still doing fine um but i don't know tiktok's doing well as well um youtube's always going to be doing well so I think as a creator, you have to like diversify yourself and try lots of different platforms and not just stick to one. I think maybe a big regret of mine is not starting YouTube earlier. I wish I started YouTube maybe a year earlier or something, but I mean, it's okay. Like I'm, I'm trying now and, and still a, like a big learning process and yeah, it's, it, I'm actually having fun making YouTube videos as well. So it's good. When did you start your YouTube channel? I started it actually a while back. Like I, I only did like these sort of speed edit videos back then. So I would just screen record one of my edits and then turn into like a time lapse and people could just see my mouse moving really fast. <laughs> I found that like, although there is a bit of value in that because you see how, what I'm doing, it's not really beneficial because it's too fast, mm. right? Like you don't really know exactly what I'm clicking. So I think I would say I probably started it uh, maybe a year and a half ago, a year, a year and yeah, about that, where I did like my first like Q and A video where I first sat to camera and just talked to camera. Um, that was probably my my beginning of YouTube, I would say. Um, but yeah, uh, I've been doing more tutorials that are a bit slower and like little things are like you know how to remove people and like how to loop videos um, and stuff like that. Um, and then also trying to vlog a little bit. Um, trying to, um, yeah, just, just posting little things here and there, just different tutorials and stuff that I do on my Instagram page that people might want to learn. Yeah. When did you decide to diversify your content and when did you decide to move from photography only to animation, videography, creating a podcast, uh, etc.? Yeah. I think, um, I'm not sure when exactly I did, like, started doing, like, videos and cinemagraphs and animations and stuff, but for me, photography's always been about, like, how do I, how can I challenge myself and how do I, how do I challenge, like, standard photography, like, rules and stuff like that. So, I've always wanted to do that kind of stuff. So, like, once I kind of felt like, oh, I've, I wouldn't say mastered photography because, I'm I'm not a master or anything. It's just like once once I become good at photography, how do I make myself 
better and like how do I increase my skill level um, and so I started learning how to do cinema graphs and um, animations and looping videos and stuff like that um, and then after a while I think maybe it's just like the boredom of Instagram right like you just keep posting 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 like what next um, then you then I st- um, started doing podcasts with my friend Ben Ichban um, and then YouTube happened and then TikTok only happened because of the the job quitting thing actually so when I quit my job I was like what do I do with my time because <laughs> I was just sitting there <laughs> for like at home I was like what do I do um, and so there was this app coming out and everyone's like going crazy over it um, and then Ben was actually the one that got me onto the app because one of his videos sort of went like semi-viral like all of a sudden like before anything Ben was already on like 80k TikTok followers and I was like oh that's really cool like like there's like the 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 sense of virality is like insane on TikTok and so I just try to push myself for two months I posted three videos a day and I was like because I had so much video content I was just like for from Instagram stories and stuff like that when I was traveling and so they're all like vertical content anyway. So I was like, let's just see if I compile a few of these like travel videos, for example. So I would show like a scene and then I would show the photos I took from that location, for example, just like a little slideshow at the end. Uh, I did that for three months and posted two videos, a, uh, three videos a day for three months, which is a lot. Um, and it grew. Um, there was one time when uh, I posted this video, there was like a random sound that was like, you know how TikTok people use sounds? Like, there was a sound that was like, if, if you're seeing this, how many followers do you think I have? And I was just showing pictures of my photos. And uh, it just blew up. It grew... I, I grew 170,000 in a day. Um, wow. That video now is on 3.8 million views. Um, and it was crazy. Like, how how is this possible? Because I've, I've been on Instagram for nine years. I'm on 370K or something now. And on TikTok, I've been on it for less than a year now, or maybe almost a year now, but less than a year, and I'm on 350k now. (laughs) Like, it's like how, yeah, it's like almost exactly the same, and I've been like a ninth of the time, a tenth of the 10% of the time, (laughs) which is crazy. Like, um, although TikTok's very, like, it's very fluctuating. Like, sometimes your videos do really well, other times it's like very low, so... It's, I think it's hard for brands to want to start to put marketing money into there for now. Unless you're mm-hmm. like a Charlie D'Amelio, who's like the biggest TikToker out yeah. there. Then, you know, unless you're really, really big and you're guaranteed all these views per videos, then, you know, you are you feel safer as a brand marketing there. But if you're like a sense. maybe a smaller creator, then it's hard because it's like one video might go viral, another video might not. So it's like, yeah. What's interesting, when you work with brands, do you say, okay, I can do Instagram, YouTube, podcast, TikTok, like if you pay me X amount, it's, you know, this much per brand, per platform, sorry, or you can kind of do, you know, talk about, for example, the Samsung, you can talk about it on all the different channels. Do you do that as well? Um, I think when a brand reaches out, they kind of know where they want to get their ads from. So like from with Samsung, it's only been Instagram. And so, like, when I make a YouTube video using the Samsung phone, it's not paid. Like, they don't pay me, but I just want to do it because oh. I think it's useful information for everyone anyways. Um, there has been, I think, only one video Samsung has kind of sponsored on my channel. Um, the rest is just, like, me for fun and, like, creating... Because I'm going to 
create the photos anyway, so might as well record it. That's my okay. thinking now. Um, but there's been like times where I do offer, like if, if a brand reaches out, like I can do YouTube, I can do TikTok, I, I have offered, but it just depends if they want it or not. Um, like I said, TikTok's very volatile, so not many brands want to go there yet. Um, I've, I've done one t- TikTok campaign for HP, um, so that, that was a sort of like promoting a laptop, uh, but that was the only TikTok campaign I've ever done so far. Um, I think that's yeah. the thing with TikTok is you can't really guarantee how many views you're going to get. Whereas, you know, kind of YouTube, you kind of had the subscribers who watch pretty much all your videos. Or yeah. Instagram, you've got, you know, loyal followers. Whereas TikTok, one video can blow up. Like yeah. you said, the rest of them kind of have, you know, stay around the same area. So I guess it's hard for businesses to, you know, to be guaranteed. Yeah, sleeper coin. Yeah. They're going to get the money's worth almost. I think because I've been on Instagram for nine years, there is a sense of loyalty and sense of community on my uh, account because like I answer everyone's comments, I reply to DMs and stuff like that. So people, I hope people think that they know me in a way, right? Like I, I, I want to help people out. Um, and so, yeah. So on TikTok, there isn't that sense of community yet. I think because I've only there, been there for like eight months, right? And you haven't had the time to the followers haven't had the time to really know you. Um, and there is no like, there's no DM on TikTok. You have to be following each other to be able to talk to someone. So a, a stranger can't just DM you on TikTok. Um, and I don't really show my face too much. Like, as in, I do, but not, like, fully. Um, so maybe that's why the the engagement on TikTok's not, like, guaranteed. Because mm. they don't really know you well enough yet, I guess. Yeah. I That is something, I mean, I want to really acknowledge you for that. Is that you, it's true. You reply to every... <laughs> Every time I comment, you reply. Yeah. I, it's no. I mean, how many? I don't know how many comments you must guess every day, and how many DMs. But yeah, you you take the time to reply to every single time. That's amazing. I think that's. I think I mean, every like nice. spare <laughs> time I have is going into like replying comments because I realize like you, you know if it, without without people following me, I wouldn't really have a, a photography career, right? Like, hmm. what's the point of posting photos on Instagram if you know, if you're not going to engage with people, Instagram's a, a social media app. It's not a, it's it's a photography app and, and content sharing app, but it's also a social media app. So you want to be social, you want to be approachable and you want to be able to, to engage with your audience, which is, I think, one of the most important things. Because people, I think, think, oh, I'll just post a photo and then just not care about it. Like you just keep posting photos. But I think the time you, time and effort you put into your audience, the more you'll get back, I think. And is it just you behind the scenes? You're the one answering all the questions. Yeah. And yeah. All the photographs there's, and everything. There's no one else. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I think I get about, on a good photo, sometimes maybe like 300, 400 comments. But like on a, I think average, maybe about at least 100, 200 comments. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to talk to you about um, traveling and where have been your favorite places to photograph? I think it is a very like cliche answer, but it would probably be Japan and Tokyo. Um, that's probably my favorite place that I've been to Japan maybe four, four, five, four, five times now. Um, yeah, and every time it's like something new and something like very beautiful. Um, last time I went to Japan, it was during autumn, and I've never been there during autumn, and so all the colors were like so vi- vibrant, like oranges and reds, and it's like really really beautiful and then the time before that it was spring so it was like sakura season so it's like it changes all the time 
and then the time before that it was winter actually and it was snowing and I was like mm. it's like a it's like a place that just keeps on giving right it's like a it's just very nice um and lots of people are nice food are, food is great and it's just a, a really really cool place to travel to um maybe second would be I would say maybe Bangkok like surprisingly really cool place like I thought because I'm from Jakarta, I thought Bangkok would be like Jakarta. Everyone complains about traffic there and like <laughs> the weather. But when I was there, the traffic wasn't that bad, to be honest. Because um, and and I feel like it's really cool because it's got a, a really good mix of like cultural stuff and architecture. And so like there's really cool temples, there's really modern buildings as well. Um, and there's like these street markets that are really really awesome to to check out. Um, yeah, I really like Bangkok and. I guess the U.S. is also really cool. Um, probably, I, I don't know when I'll be able to travel to the U.S. anytime soon now um, with all that's happening. But, you know, L.A., San Francisco, New York are a really cool place as well. Some of my favorite content from you is, uh, I'm not sure which country, but this, you, you, you have a photograph of a temple with a dragon. Oh, that's, in, that's in Bangkok, like maybe... 40 minutes out of Bangkok. Okay, that yeah. is sick. I, I remember actually like messaging you about, is that real or is it just yeah. Photoshop? Because it, I don't know, it just seems too much. So that's amazing. Yeah, there's buildings like that in, the... in, in, in Thailand that is crazy, right? There's like this temple thing that has a dragon wrapping around it. There's another temple insane. with a fish wrapping around it. It's like, what what kind of architecture is this? But it's so like different and it's interesting to photograph. So yeah. yeah. And I also loved when you went to Barcelona. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, Barcelona's beautiful. So, because yeah. I, I, I grew up in France in the south, just yeah. like two hours away from Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, and your your photograph is like day and night of mm. the city, like the top down or the Sagrada Familia, the Sagrada Familia inside and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, this building is just it's amazing. crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your content there was so good. I really uh, enjoyed that. <laughs> thank you. That was a super fun trip. So. That was the last uh, uh, overseas trip I did. So it was a, a year ago um, in January and it was a job for Expedia. Um, mm-hmm. And they were just, the job was them wanting to make a video of me walking around taking photos. Um, so I was kind of like the talent. I've never really, like this is never really, I've never really done that kind of style before. Um, usually they just go like, go there, take some photos, post some photos and that's kind of it. But the, this time there was a videographer that came and recorded my whole journey and they made like a little video about it. Um, and yeah, and I was able to pick the itinerary. I was like, where, where do you want to go? Like, oh yeah, obviously it's Sagrada Familia. And like they, I picked all the places that I wanted to, to pick and yeah, it was really fun. And it was like just four days of just walking, shooting and, and having lots of fun in Barcelona. Yeah. This is so cool. <laughs> it must be amazing as well of somebody who's studied architecture to go to these amazing landmarks mm. all around the world. Because yeah. you kind of, you know, I guess you studied these at university and you kind of know more about the architecture than a regular person like us, than we would know about kind of the design process or the structural process or yeah. the certain materials and things. It must be amazing that you can kind of combine your knowledge and your love of architecture with also your knowledge and love of photography and kind of still use that in with your current work it's not like you're completely photographing you know models on the beach or something like it's still connected to what you've kind of trained in which I think must be really fascinating and also really inspiring to be able to do that yeah I mean it's funny because when I was growing up I was like nine years old my my parents like what do you want to be when you grow up and stuff like that right 
Um, at the time, we were renovating a house in Indonesia, and my uncle, who's an architect, we went to his his place, and I saw all his work, like all the floor plans, all the models. I was like, this is so cool. And so from that day, I wanted to become an architect. Like that was like my vision as a little kid. I was like, I want to become an architect. And I didn't know why. Like I didn't know what architecture was when I was going into university. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Like I was like, I don't know what architecture is, but I want to do it. It's just like really strange. And so like I didn't know I was going to be interested in all this kind of stuff. Um, I I didn't know that you would not sleep a lot in architecture. Like we would like be making models and doing assignments, like doing all nighters nonstop. But I loved it, which is crazy. Like to to love doing an all nighter is weird. Um, even to this day, I still sleep really late. I sleep at like two three a.m. because I'm so like used to it. Um, it was just strange. Like I like I like you said. Like I didn't know I was gonna love architecture, and I think because of photography. It's made me love architecture even more because I've been able to uh, see a lot of the stuff I learned at university, and 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 see it with my own eyes and like how this has been built and why it's been built and why this space feels so good compared to another space, for example. Um, and it's really cool because every city I go to, I kind of have an idea of like what what's the cool buildings there, or what do I want to see there. Like I already because I've studied them at university, I kind of have a cool building I want to see in kind of like a lot of the cities I want to go to. Um, yeah, and, and be- also because of Instagram, you see a lot of content and you see a lot of cool things from the world. So I can't, everything I, every time I see something cool, I just kind of like save it. And then if I do get the opportunity to go to that location, then I have a like a save folder of all the places I want to visit. So it's, yeah. What's your favorite building in the world? <laughs> It's funny because it's literally it's where I live. Uh, it's the Sydney Opera House. Oh, yes. Here we are. Um, I've got a tattoo. Oh, funny. wow. What the heck? That's awesome. <laughs> um, it's so beautiful. Yeah. I, I actually used that as my inspiration when I was at high school or college or something. When I was like 16, I was doing some like fashion thing and used the Sydney Opera House. Little did I know I'd be going there a couple of years later, met Jeremy and completely changed my life. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you with that one. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've been to a lot of places, but I've never seen a building like the Opera House. Like, it's it's very modern. For, it was built in the 60s, and it's still, like, one of the most modern buildings to this day. Um, and, yeah, it's beautiful design. It's, yeah, there's just, a, like, I think it's because I, I learned so much about it, and I know a lot about it, that, like, I, I, I see it. If, almost not every day, but like I, I can see it every day if I wanted to. Um, that is just like so special to me because like, like living in Sydney, I, I love living in Sydney. It's like I it's probably I find that it's like the best decision my parents ever made moving to Sydney. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I've, I've traveled a lot, but I never can imagine myself like I can't imagine myself living in New York. I, I but I love living in Sydney. Like it's just mm-hmm. slow pace, relaxed. I can you know do whatever i can go to the beach today i could go to the cliffs today i could go to the city today like it's just like there's so many possibilities i find living in sydney i i enjoy it i i love sydney (laughs) if i can come back tomorrow and live there i would (laughs) like i've spent six months there and i fell in love with this city it's a great place yeah it is amazing did you you guys met in sydney like were you guys both living in sydney at the time 
Yeah, we were. Uh, I, I did like a semester abroad. Yeah. When I was in university, and yeah. Rosie was there for a few months, uh, traveling and doing like an internship. Right. Okay. So we were living together. We were sharing an apartment with wow. a bunch of people. And <laughs> yeah. Were you, were you at Bandai? <laughs> uh, no, we were living on. Um, yeah, oh, on George Street, yeah, yeah, right. next to the next to Central Station. Yeah, like, literally like across the street from Central Station. A lot of a lot of foreigners in that area. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to the to UTS, yeah, University of Technology of Sydney. I was doing robotics back yeah. then. Awesome. Uh, okay, but yeah, I love Sydney. I get it. I, <laughs> I can't wait to come back, and I would love to. Yeah. Um, okay, back to you. Oh. Do you have a favorite photograph? And then second question before I forget is, is there anywhere you're dying? Like, where's the top of your list of places you want to go? Um, favorite photograph is a tough one. I don't know. Like, I I love, like, everything I post on my Instagram. It's kind of like a little baby that I make. Because I spend a lot of time editing now. Like, back then, I was just like, let's just quick quickly edit this and then post. But now, like, I kind of curate it and I take a bit of time. I always post, like, a carousel post. So it's not just one photo. So I always try to post at least five or six in a in a set um so it becomes like more time invested so i feel attached to a lot of my images um but i don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't say there's one that like is my favorite but i think if i would say one that stands out it's probably like that plane in the forest one um that kind of went kind of viral uh which is strange because like yeah a lot of people just wanted to know where that plane was but it's not a real plane so (laughs) It's like uh, the plane's in Bali, but the forest is in Hawaii, and I managed to put it together and make it look real. And so many people are looking for it in Bali, which is strange. Um, <laughs> and it managed to like land in a newspaper in Switzerland. It was just like weird things happen. Like wow. someone randomly printed it out, in, and and it's like in a newspaper in Switzerland, someone about like an article about Photoshop, about like what's real and not real and stuff like that, which is crazy. Um, and then in terms of location that I really, really want to go to, I've never really done Europe very much. So I really want to visit, you know, London and like Iceland and there's all these places in Europe I want to go to. Um, I've only been in Europe. I've only been to Venice uh, in Italy for one month because I was doing an exchange program for, for architecture um, and Barcelona and Turkey for a friend's wedding. So those are the three places I've only been to in Europe. Yeah, so I want to do a lot more. There's a lot to see there. Yeah. If she has a, a, an architecture fan, you would, you would enjoy a few. Yeah, there. Paris, <laughs> uh, Rome, like all these, all these, like even Netherlands and like Amsterdam and Rotterdam. There's so many cool yeah. architecture buildings there. Yeah. yeah. So when I was doing my, my research before, I, I, I've seen your podcast before. But I've never paid attention to the name. And right. I went back to the first episode and yeah. I actually understood the name. And I absolutely love this concept. <laughs> so the podcast is called, if you just look at it, it's 529 podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's actually so 529. And can you tell us with your own words like how you came up with the 529 podcast? I love it. Yeah. So uh, my friend Ben, uh, his Instagram is Ichban. Um, so we both thought we should start a podcast and you know it was only I think the reason why we started the podcast is because at the time we were both still scared of you know being in front of the camera and so we wanted to use the podcast as a way for us to get more comfortable in front of camera 
um, we recorded the audio as well as the video as well. So we posted the video on YouTube and then the audio is on like SoundCloud and everything um, and Spotify. Um, but when we were thinking of the name, we were like, oh, what's, you know, what's a good name? What's a good name? Um, literally, like, I think the day before we came up with a name, uh, Ben was listening to a YouTube video where uh, this girl was talking about um, doing things in her 5 to 9. So, like, which is the opposite of the 9 to 5. So, like, the 9 to 5 is your regular day job, your your life, your regular, you know, you go to the office and whatnot. But the 5 to 9 is the what you do from 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock. That's, like, your passion and what your what you really want to be doing in life, I guess. Um, your second job or your passion projects and stuff like that. So we thought about, oh, five to nine is a cool concept. And then it sounds like three numbers. So we just like, let's let's call it five to nine and like make it a little bit cryptic. And like, um, yeah, it's, I, I really like the name. It's very, it's different. And I've always, I've, I've grown up loving maths. And so numbers and stuff is really, really good with me. <laughs> So it all fits very well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and it's it's a great concept. Cause yeah, like how many how how many hours are we spending evenings and nights working on side projects, side hustle, hoping that maybe one day we can switch it and the uh, yeah. five to nine would become the nine to five. Like yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's the dream of many people. So yeah, great idea here. I love it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, on a more personal level, two things I've noticed from your stories. Yeah. You're, you're a foodie. You love food. I do. <laughs> I love food. And you're a basketball slash NBA fan. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. every yeah every weekend or whatnot, my, my wife, she works full time. So every chance we can get to like, you know, try a new restaurant or uh, go to one of our favorite go-to local ones I uh, love like to just check out different foods and try different foods um, and then yeah basketball I've grown up I started playing when I was in grade seven um, which is like first year of high school basically um, and then I'd never played basketball before and in my school you had to pick a sport you had to like oh uh, in summer you have to play either basketball or cricket and so I'd never played before and I pick basketball and there's different teams so like the year seven a's are the best players in in the year and it went down to the h's so like b c's d's e's f's so i started playing basketball i was in the e's when i first started so i was like really bad um and then i asked my mom for a hoop um in our house and she agreed which is good and i played every day and i loved it um and the next year in the year eight i made the b's and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then eventually I made the A's. And yeah, I, I love playing basketball. I still do to this day play basketball every week. Yeah, It's interesting because, I mean, basketball is not the biggest sport in Australia at all, right? Nah, I think it's probably rugby or I mean, cricket. It's rugby league. Yeah, you've got yeah. rugby league, you've got footy, mm. cricket, you've got mm. a few. Yeah, it's interesting. Have, have you been to an NBA game? I have. I've been to yeah. oh. three, actually. Um, when I was in high school... My school had a basketball tour in the U.S., so we we flew our team to the U.S. for ten days, and we played oh for for two weeks, and we played ten basketball games in two weeks. We lost every game because <laughs> we're Australians. Uh, we we won one last game against a Mexican school. <laughs> I think I they just. That. I think they just put that on the schedule for our, like egos, like for our self-esteem, because we lost so all our games. Um, 
but um we yeah the, we we watch i watched an nba game there um for my honeymoon uh with my wife uh we bought tickets to the all-star game in la so wow. that was really really cool so i got to watch the all-star game Michael Jordan was in the room. I was like starstruck. I was like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm in the same room as Michael Jordan. Yeah, um, made and, it. <laughs> yeah. And then um, last, oh, 2019, I was at Adobe Max, which is a Adobe conference. And a friend of mine had a spare ticket to go to a game. And I was like, yeah, I'm going. So I like literally skipped like a really like uh, Adobe Max event. And I just like, I'm going to go to an NBA game because um, I love the NBA so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I keep seeing this in the story, so I thought it'd be fun to fun <laughs> to mention it. And also, you just celebrated your three years wedding anniversary, so Correct. congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, we got oh, yeah. married in 2018 in Sydney, yeah. What's next for you? Uh, so you've been uh, like a freelancer on your own for about eight months now? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much one year. Um, interesting, right, how in a sense, the pandemic allowed you to take this step and yeah. actually like go for it. Um, and yeah, so where, what's your plan for the future? Like where do you see yourself going or you just going with the flow and you'll see what happens? Um, I think, yeah, I guess a little bit of going with the flow and seeing what happens and like <laughs> just keep going with what I'm doing currently. Uh, I want to push more on YouTube. I want to make, uh, try to do, I don't know if I can weekly videos. I don't know if I can. <laughs> Maybe once every two weeks is is the the most I can do for now. But hopefully one day I can do weekly videos. Um, then again, just keep pushing uh, Instagram and TikTok as well. But at the same time, like as a freelancer, you want to be able to try to uh, like increase your income stream. So lots of different types of income. So I'm trying at the moment to uh, open up a print store. Um, where it's like more streamlined the whole process i already do have a print store now but i uh would have to go to the print shop to print it and sign it and mail it and write every address so i'm trying to uh, come up with a more streamlined process of how i can do all that um so that's one side of it uh what else yeah just trying to yeah basically make youtube videos and try to increase the income streams doing whatever like i don't know selling presets or selling stock photos i want to learn all that a lot more yeah yeah, yeah it, it is important to diversify and have multiple streams because obviously you, you you never know yeah we, we've learned in 2020 that you never know what's going to happen yeah for sure <laughs> um yeah. and yeah like you, you can't rely on just a brand or one platform or whatever so yeah it's it's more important than ever right now to diversify and and yeah. yeah just for safety reason obviously. yeah yeah for sure yeah cool uh do you want to ask him the question oh yeah <laughs> i almost forgot about that jeremy's got a question so um if you were to talk to anybody in the world yeah. dead or alive could be famous could just be your grandma mm. um who you think would be super interesting and you would love to have a conversation with them who would you choose hard question I know. I'm sorry. It's oh, Jeremy's fault. I've got a feeling I know who you're gonna pick, but let's see. It's a it's a basketball player. Um, is is Kobe Bryant? Nah, it'd probably be yeah. Steve Nash. I oh. don't know. Who, do you know Steve Nash? Yeah, yeah. So he used to play for the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks back in the day. Um, yeah, yeah I was I, watching 
coaching the Nets. Now, right? now he's coaching the Brooklyn Nets. Um, yeah. He's my favorite basketball player ever. Mm. Um, I grew up watching him, and it was like when the Phoenix Suns were really good back then. Um, yeah, and I was in, I, whenever I play basketball, I was inspired by him. Like, I love to pass. I love to find people and like assist and stuff like that. So it'd probably be Steve Nash. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it would have been Kobe Bryant because oh, I mean like, Kobe Bryant's when amazing. When he died last year, you you posted about it and everything. So, but Kobe was like a <laughs> massive like rival to Steve Nash back yeah. when that was happening, and like <laughs> Phoenix lost a lot of games because of Kobe. Um, so <laughs> a lot of a lot of team did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much, uh, Demas, for uh, for sharing uh, everything about you that was great to get to know you more and it's it's really inspiring to you know see your journey uh, what started as well an assistant role <laughs> at the yeah. beginning yeah uh, became a passion and then became a side hustle and then eventually became a full-time job where you get to like travel the world world work with literally like the biggest brand in the world um <laughs> Must be overwhelming a little bit sometimes, no? I feel I don't know. Yeah, sometimes. Like I, I am still like pinching myself. Like how am I working with these people? Like it's <laughs> yeah, is that it's real? crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's, it's it's super inspiring. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. Because yeah, many people would love to be where you are. So um, it's possible. You are the proof that it's it's, it's oh, possible yeah, definitely by possible. working hard and and being creative and everything. So yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And yeah, great to chat with you guys. Yeah, thank you so much, Demis, for being on this episode. Um, we really hope you enjoyed that episode, everyone. If you did, go and follow Demis on Instagram. We'll leave him linked in the description box. Show notes. Show notes, that's the one. You would think after a year, I knew what I'm talking about, but yeah, I but still you, don't. You speak YouTube. I speak YouTube, yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it in the description. Anyway, we'll leave it in the show notes. Um, I'm sure you already followed him already. Um, but go over and say hello. Um, we'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode, so make sure you come back and join us then. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you guys. Bye. Bye.